TNC Original African Stories Listener discretion is advised as this podcast may contain violence or strong language. Previously on My Name is AZ. AZ, wake up! Look, we have to get out of here. They may come back. I remembered the ride, the voices, the gunshots. Zeno. Bye-bye, Bidungo. I turned around, waving my phone frantically. Wondering where that voice had come from. The chief had some other girls at his place. Juvies. One of those girls must have stolen drugs from chief's room. I've seen him do things to people who get between him and his coke. Kneeling on the floor. All I waited for was the sound of the gun. I was so scared. Not go anywhere near Chief K. But my car. I'm so sorry, AZ. Her car is probably gone by now. So princess told me you're going to be her driver? Mm, so, uh, I would find some time to call you later. Thank you, Daddy. <laughs> That's the key to Corolla. Warm it up and get ready. I'll be out soon. Me, Corolla. Mado. I walked and walked for a long time. My mind was blank. It was as if I had just woken up from some long, crazy dream. As I walked, thoughts of recent events started coming back to me. I was so confused. More scared than confused, to be honest. But in my current state, I knew I had done the right thing with Princess. Look, it was an irresistible offer. One I could have never imagined, but I had bigger problems. No matter how fantastic Princess's offer sounded, it still did not wipe out the thought of facing Uncle Mofu from my mind. What will I see? Where will I begin? I'm probably one of the worst liars alive, so every time I tried to come up with a lie, there's just no point. The blaring sound of the car horn brought me back to reality, and it was then I noticed I was almost at Osborne. My God, I had walked all the way from Princess's estate here and didn't realize it. All of a sudden, there seemed to be so much noise around me. Traffic was building up. My phone was ringing. Everything was louder, more intense. And I just felt like evaporating. I checked my phone. It was diary. Probably wanted to find out where I was and why I didn't show up for the test. I ignored it. But he kept calling. And it got me wondering if something else was wrong. Hello, diary. Aziz, where did you go? Classic diary. He just had to nag. I wasn't remotely in the mood. Oh, Larry, long story. How many marks was it? Or was it test so easy? Wait, wait, forget that one, Seth. Uncle Mufu just called me now. He said that he has been trying to reach you. He said it had to do with your mother. Call him quickly, I beg. Eh? Mommy? What's the matter? What, what did he say? What did he... Oh, so anything, oh. Jack, me one sin, sin. I caught the call. I got the info I needed. But before I could call Uncle Mufu's number, my phone rang again. The devil himself. I picked up immediately, and even though the thoughts of the car immediately filled my mind, I was still more bothered about Mama. What if he asked me to come around? What if... Hey, you think you can just off your phone any hour, B? Hmm? He spoke in English. That's never good. Hey, how do you want plenty customers when your phone is always off? Uh, uncle, I was in... Hey, oh, that can't You He was in here. Hey, you don't want to back my gun. Anyway... Yeah, I was hospital. Ha! Mommy? Kilo D? Aziz, 
say keep calm. Uncle Mufu, what happened again? I say keep calm. Ah uh-uh, ah, it's not a big something. She is okay. I just want to tell you to phone her so she can hear your voice. Shotiko. Yes, sir. My pay one thing. Yes, sir. The line went dead. I stood on the road more confused than I was before that call. The doctors had found a tumor in Mama's head a few years back. My father was still alive then. Even though they had been separated for long, he came to her rescue and funded the surgery that saved her life. She barely made it and members of my dad's family still say that it was the fear of losing my mother, the only woman he ever truly loved, that killed him. I said that is total rubbish. If he loved her, why did he leave her for another woman? Other women? For some reason, I felt so angry. I didn't know what about this wasn't time for anger. I needed to make a decision and I needed to make one fast. Okada! Balede! In 15 minutes, I was in a bus heading to Ibadan. I love my mother too much. She's all I have. And also, I needed time to think. I had no car, meaning I had no job and no means of survival once all the money on me was gone. Say Uncle Mufu decides to forgive me and let the car go, will he be able to trust me enough to give me another one? Questions. Decisions. I might be brilliant, but this is something I shy away from. God, please let Mama be okay, like Uncle Mufu said. The bus was taking too long to fill up. People kept coming on and getting off. And the sun was really harsh, but still, the many activities that made the park what it is continued. Hawkers, Agberos, policemen collecting bribes, last mile officials stopping unsuspecting motorists, bus conductors yelling, drivers driving crazy. I paid little or no attention to all of these. I just wish I could sleep and wake up somewhere peaceful and sane. The bus eventually took off an hour after I got there. If all went well, I could be back in Lagos today. Most of the passengers in the bus were market women who must have come to stock up goods for the holiday season. It was the first week in December already and I hadn't even noticed. It seemed like so much had been happening lately. I drowned myself in my thoughts and they weighed down heavily on me. I fell asleep something I had probably only done just one other time in my adult life while traveling. I woke up just as we went past the old Ibadan road. It was about 12.28. Not bad. I got off at Challenge bus stop and took a bus heading to Dubai. As the bus moved, I looked out the window and realized I hadn't missed Ibadan. It seemed to get rougher every time I visited. I got off at the bus stop and walked to Mount Sinai Hospital. The nurse at the reception recognized me and welcomed me with a smile. Hello, Aziz. Is everything okay? How's mama? Everything is fine. The doctor says you should see him whenever you come, but right now mama is sleeping. Okay, okay. My discussion with the doctor was short and painful. He went straight to the point. Mama had another tumor and she needed another surgery. Fast. The tumor was causing her to slip into short spans of amnesia and break out into all sorts of spasms. It was painful to hear, but the doctor told me I had time. If we were lucky, three months. He took me to see her then. She was on the bed, pale and aged. The doctor told me Uncle Mufu sent in some money, but they would need some more soon. I gave him all I could from what I had on me and promised to send more money. I stayed with her for a while, but seeing her that way only made me want to cry. I thanked the doctor again and I left. The trip back to the bus park at Challenge was a blur. Seeing Mama in that condition made me realize only one thing. 
I needed to find a way to get the money she needed to have her surgery. But with my car gone and no other likely means of getting money, it didn't look very promising. But I made up my mind to save Mama's life and I would do whatever I had to do, even if it meant putting school on hold for a while. My bus finally left the park just before 4pm and I just couldn't wait to get back to Lagos so I could put all my plans into action. Halfway into the journey, I left my thoughts and I noticed everyone in the bus had slept off. Everyone except the lady who sat beside me. I turned slightly to further examine her. It was then I noticed she was quite young. 20, 21, 22 maybe. She was deeply engrossed in the document she was reading. I later noticed it was a lecture note, something on lung diseases in children. I tried to get a closer look to see if I could spot the name of the school, but just then she turned to look in my direction and we made eye contact briefly. Caught in the act, I quickly looked away. Then she reached into her bag and to my surprise, produced a copy of the complete sports paper. I took more interest in her. It's hard enough finding a girl who actually cares about football and sports, not to talk of one who follows it enough to buy complete sports and reads it. I was impressed. And if she was a guy, I could have easily just asked for the middle fold so I could read to get my mind off mama. But I went back to peeping instead. She must have noticed me trying to read over her shoulder as she suddenly took out the center fold and handed it to me. Surprised and a little embarrassed, I took it and said, Thanks. I breezed through the pages and when I handed it back to her, she asked if I wanted the other one. Let me guess, Arsenal fan? She smiled. <laughs> Why do you say that? <laughs> I can't imagine a man you or even a Chelsea fan being this nice. <laughs> she laughed. Well, me, I'm an Arsenal fan, sir. That's just it. Wait, fan or supporter? Hold on, there's a difference? Of course! I was about to go into a speech I had given over and over again about how being a fan of a football club was deeper than being an ordinary supporter when I felt the bus swerve to one side. I looked up and pretty much all the other passengers were still asleep and as the bus swerved again, I took a look at the bus driver and noticed he was struggling to steady the vehicle. Immediately, I knew there was something wrong with the brakes. The firm grip on my right hand reminded me of the girl sitting beside me. Oh my gosh, what is going on? What is going on? Driver! Shh! I held her back. Don't scream. Don't wake up everyone. Too late. The consistent swerving turned the bus into a box of pandemonium. All the sleepers were up and yelling. It's the brakes. I think we feel I looked at the girl. Grab onto a seat. We're about to. The front left corner of the bus rammed into the backside of a Toyota Prado Jeep just as the driver tried to swerve into the bush. What followed was chaos. There was more yelling at the driver who had only realized just how much more trouble he had gotten into when a fully dressed military officer came down from the Prado. Oh boy. I pleaded with the passengers who seemed to be taking forever to get off the bus to move faster even as I realized the cold hands of the girl beside me were still firmly holding on to me. We finally made it out of the bus and the yelling didn't stop. Curses were flying all over the place at this point. She seemed to pay little or no attention to them. The military officer was making all sorts of threats and it was all crazy. I couldn't deal with it. I needed to get out of there. I began to walk forward and the girl who had been holding on to my hand followed. Excuse me, where are you going? I don't know, but somewhere far away from this madness. We had only walked for a few minutes when a car pulled up beside us. The driver asked if we wanted a lift. I looked into the old, beat-up Mercedes 230, 
And seeing as it was an elderly man driving with a teenage boy seated on the passenger side beside him, I thought to myself, I could take them. I turned to the girl and beckoned to her to get in, but she stood behind me and asked me to go in first. The rest of the journey to Lagos was long and awkward. I don't recall anyone in the car saying a word. The car was old and not in very good working condition, and I just kept praying in my head for it to see us safely to Lagos. The few times I turned to look at the girl who sat beside me, I noticed she was scared stiff. She sat up straight and watched the old man closely as he drove. I noticed how pretty she was. Very pretty, actually. But I was too preoccupied thinking about getting to Lagos. We got to Bega a few minutes before 6pm and I could feel the relief in the air as we both got out of the car and thanked the old man. The car drove off and I turned to look at my co-passenger. So which way are you heading? I'm actually going to Ogba. Um, okay. Pardon my manners, I didn't get your name. She smiled then and revealed beautiful pearly white dentition like no other. It's Fadike. My name is Aze- Aziz. Aziz. Aziz, a Muslim that prays in Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah, now that's a long story, but I'd have to get your number so I can tell you later. She smiled again. This time, I could see in her smile that she was more relieved. She then took out a piece of paper from her bag, scribbled on it, and handed it to me. Here you go. My number. Thank you. Uh-uh. Small thing for a fellow Arsenal fan, right? Yes. Fan. <laughs> I was so relieved I didn't have to bring out my super cracked phone. That would have been... interesting. Okay then, take care of yourself, Adike. Don't forget to call me. I snapped back to reality. The distraction of the journey was nice. Now, I had to face my problems. First up was Uncle Mufu. I figured I should just tell him and get it over with. I took a bus to Yaba and hopped on a bike heading to Unilag First Gate. The bike man went through the one-way route past Abulioja, and just as we made it past the junction, I noticed a little traffic building up ahead. I looked up and realized it was caused by an accident. A Danfo and a Toyota, a black Toyota Corolla. That's when I saw her. She just stood there looking confused, helpless, almost in tears. I asked the bike man to stop, literally jumped off and bolted towards her. Princess, what happened? He said, thank God. I, I don't know. I must have... These damn fob drivers, they're so insensitive sometimes. Madam, that's also grammar. You don't need blue scenes. You know, do quick shake, buddy. That full light will come over there and a 15 toss up and a bit of a collect. Ah, Oga, kilo day. Sure, let your boss in my comments enraged the bus conductor who had been arguing with the passengers in the bus. The passengers had been begging the driver to forgive Princess and get them moving again, but he paid no attention to them. So they turned on the conductor. Hearing what I said to his driver, the conductor ran towards us and yelled, He then hit his head on the body of the bus repeatedly. Princess swiftly hid herself behind me, even as the driver moved to calm the conductor down. I asked Princess how much she had on her. She said about 10000 in cash, but she could go to the ATM. I asked her to give me five grand. I took the money, pulled the driver aside, and squeezed it into his hands, and told him that was all she had. He counted it, and from the crooked smile on his face, I knew it would do. With that, they got into their damfo and drove away. Princess handed me the keys to the car. I couldn't argue. She looked like she was about to break down. Where are you going? I'm going to school. School? Yes, um, Unilag. Unilag? Yeah, that's my school. Oh, 
I am. Uh, I didn't know. As I drove past the park, I noticed it was getting dark. Uncle Mufu would have probably left. I drove into the school and asked Princess which hostel we were heading to. She told me to drive towards the high rise. Well, I wasn't surprised. Anything less would have surprised me. She directed me to her building. I parked and we both got out. I walked towards her and handed her the key. But how will you now get to the gate? Don't worry, I'll be, I'll be fine. AZ, this is the second time you're coming to my rescue. I'm beyond grateful. <laughs> it's okay, princess. It's no, okay, really. No, no, it's, okay. it's not. Look, let me try and help you out. I hardly use my car. I just need to get out of school once in a while. You can have it. Do your rounds. Make some money. Took a deep breath. <sighs> princess, that cab wasn't mine. See, I still have a lot of experience to do to my uncle. He's the one that owns the cab. Then start with this. Just take the keys and think about it tonight. I don't even need to go anywhere till tomorrow. But you don't even know me. <laughs> she smiled. Do you know me? See, that's life, AZ. See you tomorrow morning. She walked into the building and I just stood there. Then I went to look at the damage done to the car. It was nothing. A scratch. I didn't know where to go or what to do with the car. What if I packed it somewhere and it gets vandalized? What if... Hello? AZ. Yes, Cassie? Um, please, I need you to come and pick me up. No, 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 no. This is very urgent, too. Um, but... I'm at home. In Badore. I'm waiting, though. She hung up without listening to my explanation. Part of me just wanted to pack the car and go to my room. But another part out of the extra money I could make. Mama was still on my mind. I jumped into the car and drove out of school. Driving to Battery was no longer daunting. I had mastered the route expertly. A little over 10 p.m., I was outside Cassie's house. She came out almost immediately. She had on a t-shirt and jeans. That was quite unusual. But it was none of my business, really. I just wanted to drop her off, get my money, and go back to school. AZ, AZ. Ah, ah. See, this is your new cow. <laughs> you don't have Mao. She said as she brushed my cheeks with her fingers. I started the car and asked, So, where are we going? Ekwe. Ekwe? Yes, Ekwe Town. I'm going to see Baba Ibidun. Baba Ibidun? That name again? Oh, so you're going to act like you don't know? I don't, I don't know any Baba Ibidun. Okay, okay, just drive. I headed back to the expressway and drove towards Ekwe. The road was absolutely free and I was tempted to see what this baby could do. But I resisted. I drove at a steady pace and got directions from Cassie. As we got closer to our destination, I noticed how familiar the area was. Then it hit me. This was where Princess and I had met that vigilante man. Is that why Cassie was asking about Babai Bidun? Cassie asked me to park somewhere along the Ontar Road. Just wait for me here. I'll be back soon. Eh? Here? Yes. Nothing will happen to you. Besides, I won't be long. She hurried out of the car and vanished into some bushes. I wondered then just how Cassie managed to get me to agree to some of these things. It was late in the night and I was in the middle of nowhere waiting for someone I had no idea where she went and when she was going to be back. Hey, this day they use jazz. True to her word, in just about 15 minutes, Cassie appeared from the bushes, clutching tightly onto her bag. She got into the car and asked me to drive back home. 
For a while, I noticed she had an irritated look on her face. Perhaps she was disappointed she couldn't locate Baba Ibidum. But I noticed her mood changed later on. She was back to her smiley, chatty self. Is it, is it, fine boy. She said as she ran her fingers through my head. I made a mental note to talk to her about that. I needed to concentrate on getting her back home, getting my money, and returning to school. It was past 1 a.m. and there was no other car in sight. I gave him to the temptation and increased my speed. It took less than an hour for me to get to Battery Junction. As I made a turn, I noticed Cassie was reaching for her bag. Her hands vanished into it for a while. And then she closed the bag, rubbed her palms together, and then on her face. I wondered what sort of lotion she needed at almost 2 a.m. Except maybe she still had another destination. But I guess I was wrong. We got to her gates and instead of asking me to wait, she said, Please come in for the money. I'm home alone and I do not want to walk out all the way again. I hesitated, but I thought to myself, what could possibly go wrong? I packed the car properly and went in with Cassie. The compound was quite big. There was only a little bungalow built at the end of this huge space. We made our way to the metal door. She unlocked it and I stepped in, noticing she still had that broad smile on her face. We got into the living room and Cassie almost immediately sat on the couch while I stood. I'm so tired, is it? Oh, your money. Ah, you know what? Please just go into that room, eh? The door on your right. Enter there, then wait for me there. I'll come and give it to you. 